This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. We're just kind of looking at it in steps. Like today we had practice, so that's all I was really focused on. And I'm not just trying to treat it like uh, I would any, any other game this season. It's been a big season for me individually, so I've treated every game pretty uh, like it's my last. So I'm just going to do more of the same in that. For the last two playoffs, we, I feel like lost five, ten games, uh, not just this season, but even last year, the year before. Uh, yeah, we didn't do it that well, but in the playoffs, I mean, <laughs> thank God we, we were able to flip the switch in the last two years, but it's not like it'll be the case all the time. Like, it's it's hard, like, especially we're playing, like, in my opinion, uh, one of the top three in team in the NHL, and it'll be hard. <laughs> it's not going to be like, not going to be like this, so we have to work hard to flip it then. Well, we'll see in a few days. Yeah, it's making sure that we understand we're in for the long haul here and it's just, it's not just a short event. And so there's ups and downs in series. You just gotta, you just gotta ride them out. And there's a lot of truth to keeping your focus. And if we make a you know, poor play or a bad goal goes in, it's turn the page and let's go for the next play for the next opportunity for us. And But just capitalize on momentum and if momentum's going away you, from you trying to cut it off as, as fast as you can so there's all these little things that we try and do that I've learned over the years and you know, hopefully you know, the success continues hopefully the success continues it's going to start tomorrow for the Tampa Bay Lightning playoffs are here 16 teams going to be chasing that single prize Starting today, should be a lot of fun. We're going to be with you the whole way. I am Greg Linelli, along with the Radio Voice Lightning, Dave Mishkin. Steve Versnick is our producer. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. As some would say, partner, first off, it's great to be with you. It is the most wonderful time of the year, I think, if you're a hockey fan. These playoffs. Yeah, and the first round can be just as nerve-wracking as any subsequent round. There's a lot of unpredictability, I feel, in the first round. We've seen a year in which you know, all four first-place teams went out. The Lightning were one of those first-place teams to go out in the first round. That was in 2019. And then we've seen years where you know, basically all of the higher seeds win. But there are usually some twists and turns in the first round. And in fact, I would say this. With rare exception, the team that wins the Stanley Cup at some point has had a moment where they were right on the edge of either being eliminated or dropping a game that could have put them in jeopardy of being eliminated. It's rarely a smooth path from beginning to end for the champion. Now, maybe Colorado last year was an example of a team that I mean, they didn't really have to deal with with too much in-series in adversity. They had a few injuries here and there. And maybe the Lightning in 2020, they also never faced a Game 7. But in 2021, the Lightning were down to a seventh game against the Islanders. And that was a one-goal game. But even those, even those years are more mild compared to some of the other years I'm thinking about. Like the year that the Bruins won the Stanley Cup in 2011 – they were in overtime in game seven in the first round against Montreal yeah. or the year that the Hawks beat the Bruins in 2013. The Hawks were down three, one to Detroit in the second round. They had to win the last three. They won game seven in overtime. So that is why I think it is such a great time of the year to be a fan of the sport because 
the game is fast, but it's also unpredictable and nerve-wracking. And there's nothing greater than playoff hockey, and there may be nothing greater than overtime in, in playoff hockey because you never know what what's going to happen next. The game could go on and on and on and on, or it could be over in the blink of an eye. It's very true. It's also, in, in many ways, the, the first round can sometimes be the most physical because it's typically you are probably as fresh as you will be once the playoffs begin. I mean, look, the regular season takes its toll on everybody, but most people will say, especially those first couple of games, partner, you see the hitting really up, and mm-hmm. you may see guys, um, I don't want to say with extra energy, but certainly they're doing things uh, a little bit more frequently in that first round maybe especially the first couple of games that maybe you would see in the third or fourth rounds depending on how you know a team is 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 looking but I do think you know it's funny I've had a number of people come up to me and say you know who aren't necessarily lightning fans they're not necessarily Toronto fans they're like I I actually think Tampa Bay Toronto is the most intriguing first round matchup, at least in the Eastern Conference, that that's the one they're going to be watching because I think a lot of people feel both teams have the ability to make a deep run. And it, it might be a little bit more for Toronto's end because they haven't done it. The Lightning are this, the, the big boy on the block, so to speak, because what they've accomplished over the last three years. But my sense is, partner, just, you know, taking a non-scientific poll with the people I talk to. It's, you know, Toronto-Tampa Bay, that's the most intriguing matchup, the most excited matchup that they're looking forward to watching because of, I think, everything involved when it comes to who's playing, the players making it up. And I think both teams, a lot of people will look at it and say legitimately have an opportunity to win a Stanley Cup. So I think, and I haven't talked to a lot of people about the series and why they may find it the most intriguing. I do think there are some intriguing series. I think Rangers-Devils is very intriguing because you have a team in the Rangers that got to the semifinals last year and is expected to take another step forward this year, but they're actually the lower seed. And this is a huge, huge rivalry series. Probably the biggest rivalry series in the first round based on the proximity of the teams. And while it hasn't been a regular history of seeing each other in the playoffs, boy, they've had some fierce battles when they have met in the playoffs. Having said that, I, I'm believing what you were saying when people mentioned to you they find this Lightning Maple Leaf series to be the most intriguing. And I would guess that it is intriguing to them because the question is, will this be the year the Leafs can finally get past the first round and it's this year that the lightning don't go deep right i think those are two compelling questions that that lead into this series i will tell you what i have seen i have seen that everybody everybody with the notable exception of dan rosen who got into a it was a it was a head-to-head conversation with Nick Costanica. They both write for NHL.com, and each writer took a team and made an argument as to why that team should win. So I'm not sure if Dan actually believes the Lightning are going to win or if he was asked to make an argument on behalf of the Lightning for the sake of that article. We'll have to ask him. Dan's a pretty straightforward guy and a straight shooter, so he probably believes it. 
He's the only one I've seen who feels the Lightning are going to win this series. Now, a lot of the predictions pro Maple Leafs are cautious based on both teams' recent history. By recent, I'm talking about the last three years for the Lightning and going back the last six years for the Maple Leafs. But everyone is is writing, basically, this is the Maple Leaf series to lose. And they seem hesitant to give the Lightning a chance. So the Lightning have to go out and prove it. It's been the first time in a while the Lightning have been in this position. I mean, I think in other series where maybe they haven't been majority favored, it's been closer, right? Like some people have picked them. But I think based on how the teams finish the regular season, that's what's going on here. Most people would agree, Greg, that Vasilevsky can be the difference maker, but they're looking at his regular season numbers. They were they were frankly, you know, more average than what he has shown in the past. And I think this goes to the question that I posed in a column I wrote yesterday, which is on the Lightning's website, shameless plug segment here on Power Lunch. But I mean the question is how important are regular season numbers? How much can regular season numbers tell us about what is going to happen in the playoffs? And if the Lightning's regular season numbers are a fair representation of what they are, they're going to have a hard time winning the series. However, if you are a believer that specific to the Lightning, because this team has a different sort of pedigree than probably every other team in the playoffs right now, that you were willing to say the regular season numbers were a function of the grind of the regular season and the fact that they were locked into a playoff berth. They basically knew their opponent, and they know more than any other team what it takes to have success in the playoffs, that these numbers are a little bit of a mirage, and we're going to see a different team come tomorrow night. Then we got a whole new ball game here. But I think most of the people that are that are pro Leafs are looking at kind of what has happened in the regular season. The Leafs had a great regular season. Great regular season. I mean, they're one of the highest point teams behind the Bruins. They're one of the highest point teams in the entire NHL. But we circle back. What can we read from regular season numbers that will tell us about what will happen in the playoffs. Are the Leafs going to be better defensively in the playoffs as they were in the regular season? Is Ilya Samsonov going to be at the level that he was when he got a chance to play in the regular season? Is the depth that the Leafs brought in going to produce, like frankly it did produce for them, down the stretch in the regular season? Yeah. We'll see. They're not They're not seeing teams in the second half of a back-to-back coming into their building, but they are also not going to places on the second half of a back-to-back they're not seeing in the span of two weeks seven games played against seven different opponents they're seeing the same opponent over a two-week span that changes things the pressure in the playoffs is on a whole different level than in the regular season and the Leafs players know that so I I am I am understanding why you're hearing that from people that this is intriguing to them. I think it is intriguing, but I think at the end of the day, if we were to ask people, who do you think is going to win? 
right now most people are going to say Toronto. I, I was and the Lightning say, have to go out and, and prove everyone wrong. I think you're 100% right. I mean, I, I think most people are picking the Leafs. Is that because, Dave, understanding it can be a little bit of both, but I'm, I'm curious, does one hold weight a bit more than the other? Is it because they think Toronto's the better team, or do they just is it the law of averages? And the grind the Lightning have had the last three years. Yeah. I think people are acknowledging that, you know, that that can wear on you. Whereas the Leafs have had, and I'm not trying to throw shade at them here, it's just the fact of the matter, they've had long off seasons because they have not gone deep. They've had extra time to stew on this loss the Lightning handed them last year in the first round. And I think I said on the show, Greg, they've been waiting for game one of this playoff series. They didn't know they were seeing the Lightning again, but they were waiting for game one of the playoffs since game one of the regular season, probably even before that. Yeah, I, I think, I don't want to say fear is is the greatest motiv- motivator, but I think, call it revenge, call it evening things up. I think a motivated team, a motivated athlete, Dave, sometimes are the most productive. And let's face it, the Lightning are probably a pretty good example of this. A couple of years ago when they lose to Columbus in the first round, there were a lot of things that needed to go right for them moving forward to have the run they currently are on. But everybody talks about you don't discuss the Tampa Bay Lightning and the great run they've had without first referencing what happened against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I think that's fair. And I think the Maple Leafs, maybe it's going to be their rallying cry. But I think you're going to look at previous failures in the playoffs coming up a tad short and saying, this ends this year. Not only are we going to get by the first round, we've got to make a deep run. Because Mm -hmm. also, too, Dave, I I think a lot of people, and it could be speculation, there could be some truth to the speculation, believe that if the Leafs don't have a decent run this year, you're going to see a pretty big shakeup. Yeah. Starting with their general manager. And so, again... Maybe there's this this sense of urgency with the Leafs that finally boils or bubbles up to a point where they do something about it this year, and the Lightning just happens to be the team in their way in the first round. I will say this, Dave, as we take a, a little bit deeper dive into this series, and, and maybe we've discussed this before, but just to, some of the things I'm going to be focusing on during this first round matchup. And it's, it, it may be just a very general blanket statement. The Lightning will not advance if Andre Vasilevsky isn't the best goaltender in this series. And you can, you can also add the Lightning will not advance if they're not better defensively than mm-hmm. what we saw in the regular season. I may be stating the obvious there, but I think they go hand in hand. I think you can make an argument that Vasi's play suffered a bit Maybe because he had a little bit of an off year compared to what we've seen the last few, but that the Lightning defensively had some inconsistencies and the goaltending wasn't there necessarily to save them as consistently in the regular season compared to what we've seen before. I think that needs to change in the playoffs. I think that needs to change ASAP against the Toronto Maple Leafs because I don't think anybody would sit here and say, the Lightning don't have a decided advantage in net if you just look at the the goaltender matchup on itself. But we've talked about defending first. The Lightning can score. It may be a little more inconsistent this year, Dave, when you start talking about production from the the first line all the way down to the fourth line. But there's no reason why the team 
can't be very good defensively. And I think if they are, that allows Andre Vasilevsky to really have that advantage in nets that typically Tampa Bay has in every series. Well, and that was really the point of the column, not just how much can we read into regular season numbers. It was related to their team defense numbers. So I'm in complete agreement with you. And, you know, some of the team defense numbers are related to Vasilevsky's year, and Vasilevsky's year is related to the team that played more porous defense in front of him. They go hand in hand. But I think you're absolutely correct. The Lightning need to tighten up defensively. Now, last year, I think we've referenced this, in that first round series, the Maple Leafs actually scored three or more goals in every one of the first six games. If that happens again this year, I think the Lightning are going to be in trouble. They were able to outscore the Leafs in three of those games to get it to a seventh game, and then in the seventh game they locked down, and they won two to one. That was by far their best defensive performance in that series, and that kind of propelled them, similar to the 2021 run that they had, that propelled them forward both in terms of how they defended and Vassy through the next two rounds. They had basically two subpar defensive games starting from Game 7 of the Toronto series until the Stanley Cup Final, and those were the first two games of the Rangers series, which came after a long layout. They they kept the goals against way down against the Panthers in the four-game sweep. And then from games three through six in the Rangers series, the Rangers were held in check. Two goals or less. They scored in, in all four of those games. Stanley Cup final was a different beast. The Avalanche were able to to score some goals, and the Lightning kind of ran out of gas, and they they had injury problems that basically caught up to them. And guys got hurt in that series as well. But in the first round, games one through six were not particularly noteworthy defensive games for the Lightning. And if that happens again this year, I'm not certain that you can walk that that tightrope again. Now, a couple of games, I think games two and four, which the Lightning won, they had substantial leads and the Leafs chipped away to get to three but they still scored three and I think that that is kind of the as John Cooper often says that is that is like the Mason Dixon line if you will or or the cut line like two to three is a big difference you hold the other team to two especially in the playoffs you give yourself a great chance to win three or more now you're having to to fill the net to win a game so in the regular season they were over three goals allowed per game 3.07 so what are we going to see in the playoffs I think and we mentioned this last week Greg I think that 3.07 which by the way is the highest number since John Cooper took over as a head coach where he's had a full year it's actually even a nick higher than than the year that he took over late in the year it's their highest number since 2011-2012 when they finished last in the league in team defense. Now, scoring has gone up. So numbers are going to be a little higher across the board. But even if you look at how they compare relative to other teams, as we said, they t- they finished tied for 14th in team defense. 
the only year under John Cooper that they finished lower in the league standings for team defense, they finished 16th in the 2016-17 season. And oh, by the way, that was the one year that they missed the playoffs. So this has been a leakier defensive season for the Lightning than any other under John Cooper. Even the 18-19 team that had defensive issues, which they corrected the next year, their actual numbers were quite good, but a lot of that had to do with the goaltending, right? As we talked about, the goaltending saved them. They relied a little less on the goaltending after the sweep to Columbus. This year, they've asked the goaltending to do more, and the goaltending has not been able to do that, which is kind of what you were saying. So all of that needs to get better in the series. I firmly believe that. And, you know, if it's not, Toronto's a team that will capitalize yeah. on it. You know, we talked about power plays and, you know, which which team maybe strikes a little more fear when it comes to power plays or, you know, if this ends up being a special team series, who has the edge? And I think probably we take the other side to it is, okay, yes, both teams are potent on the power play. I think if you give one too many opportunities, it's going to change the game in a, in a negative way for the team who's in the penalty box. But I really do believe that for the Lightning to be successful, especially in this series, Dave, they're going to have to dig deeper and find a way, not only defending in their own zone, but you know, as you and Phil often point out, the, probably the the smaller things, the the first shift after a a goal, the uh, offensive zone penalties, uh, making sure that you're not having any careless turnovers that are costly going the other way. I think we all agree. And by the way, Tanner Janot on the ice, um, mm-hmm. which is a, a very nice sign. I think it's one of those things, partner, where especially with the Leafs and how things have gone for Tampa Bay, you do not want to give them free or cheap looks going the other way. Make them earn it. And sometimes, on a lot of occasions, Toronto will because they're very skilled, as will Tampa Bay. But you don't want to have these egregious breakdowns or egregious turnovers that add fuel to the fire for the Maple Leafs. And I think the Lightning will be pretty good uh, in that. Uh, situation this series because we've seen it but I also understand that just because they've done it previously this is a new group of players new expectations and probably more importantly the x factor how hungry is this Maple Leafs team everybody talks about the pressure Dave they're facing and and that may be true but I don't think there's there's any more pressure on the Leafs than what they're putting on themselves and I, I do think handling those expectations, they've now been in this situation the last couple of years where, I don't know. I, I think as an athlete, the media stuff, if you're Toronto, I, I almost would become immune to it because they can't put any more pressure on you than yourself at this point. And I think the, the Maple Leafs probably understand that. And now it's a question for them. You know, can they take advantage of Tampa Bay's mistakes? Are they able to get solid goaltending in this series? And we'll find that out starting tomorrow night. But I think for the Lightning, we talk about defending hard, the point I was trying to make. They also have to be, I think, cognizant of how risky are they in the offensive mm-hmm. zone. Not taking a bad penalty here and there. You know, we talked about AC Mont and, you know, if he's in the lineup and he provides that energy, understanding that this is going to be a physical series, don't do anything that gives the Maple Leafs an opportunity to change momentum, even if it's on a power play or a game-changing turnover, 
you've got to be able to control your emotions a bit. That may help the Lightning, especially early on in the series when the expectations, I think, are so high for the Maple Leafs to begin with. Yeah, I think the Maple Leafs are aware that they are really favored to win this series. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, how can they not be? They can say, well, we're not really listening to the media. They aren't immune to what is being said, just like the Lightning weren't immune to the fact that they were heavy, heavy favorites against Columbus in 2019. Now, you do try and shut all of that out, but you can't shut all of it out. Right. So that's why you need to be mentally strong to travel through the playoffs as well. And look, the Maple Leafs want no hiccups. They want to hold serve on home ice and and have a comfortable 2-0 lead, try and steal one in Tampa. Maybe they take game three. Like, that's how they're looking at it. Right. Let's let's avoid as much drama as possible by taking care of business early in the series. And it's the Lightning's job to, to plant seeds of doubt. I don't know how many people have said to me, Greg, because I mentioned as much as people are and not people talking to me saying this, but I'm just seeing it. People are picking Toronto. Quote, unquote, experts are picking Toronto. Toronto is favored. But at the same time, people who have come up to me in recent weeks who are telling me, as I mentioned, beat the Leafs. And they follow that up with, you take game one. And it's going to be panic mode in Toronto. And I think that's a general statement. I have no. That's have a general no statement. Yeah, we have no yeah. idea. I we think, don't know. No, we don't. Because the, the Maple Leafs, if you believe this is a different team, they'll just be hungrier for Game Two. I think the Lightning are able to listen. Lightning are able to split in Toronto. Dave, I'm not. I'm not saying anything you don't already know or our audience. You you've kind of done done your job. <laughs> now yeah. you go back home and you've got really an opportunity because you have two games in front of you. If the series is tied at one apiece, to really put your foot down and and not allow Toronto to get up. Um, but even if you split at home, uh, if you're the Lightning in that situation, you know, it's 2-2, and you're heading back to Toronto. I mean, I, I think the Lightning would would take some of those scenarios. And I think especially if they're able to win game one, right. you feel like you're playing with, with house money, so to speak. The longer the series goes, the more pressure will mount on Toronto. I think that's, that's just a fact of the matter. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think if you're the road team, you want to get at least a split. For sure. You don't want to come home down 0-2. No. And that's exactly what the Leafs want to do as the team with the first two at home. We shouldn't just gloss over, and we didn't, but we glossed over because we just saw the news. Let's get back to it. The fact that Tanner Janot is on the ice. So this is the departure day, so we are pre-taping. So as we are speaking right now, Greg, the Lightning are getting ready to start practice. The fact that Janot is in a, a regular jersey is not insignificant. No. Uh, now, look, it was his leg, but, you know, you can have a leg injury and still wear the non-contact jersey. That is correct. So we'll see how they run the lines. He did not participate in the practice over the weekend, and the Lightning ran the lines over the weekend, similar to what we saw in the game against Detroit on Thursday. And if you remember, John Cooper said, don't read too much into what you're going to see tonight <laughs> as it relates to the playoff series starting next week. He might've been talking about how they played or maybe how they, they set things up in terms of, I mean, their power play basically has run the same, but 
it may have been related to line combinations is, is what I'm getting at. Right. And so the fact that they kept the line combinations the same, essentially, from game 82 to the weekend practice might lead one to believe that they are not going to be that way for game one of the playoffs. And if somehow, some way, Janot is actually able to play in game one, and I'm speaking out of turn here because we haven't heard anything from the team just yet, but the fact that he's skating is a good sign. You know, if Janot is able to come in, then certainly the line combinations are going to look very, very different. But the way they ran them were Stamkos, Point Kucherov. You had Colton with Sorelli and Kalorn. Paul Hagel, AC Mont, and then the school bus line, Maroon, Belmar, and Perry. And the D, so Hedman and Chernak, I should have prefaced it by saying the D were different in practice because Hedman and Chernak didn't play against Detroit. But Hedman was back with Perbix. Chernak was back with Cole, and then he had Sergachev with Radish, and then the other pair was Bogosian and Flurry. What do you make of that's those how terms? they ran the yeah. that's how they ran the practice over the weekend. But they sure. may we may actually be able to to pass along before we go off the air what they look like today. You know what's interesting about Sergachev? I mean, if that holds true, partner, he spent some time with Perbix and Radish this year. You know, I mean, what, does that say something about Sergachev's progression as an NHL defenseman? Because you have you know basically two rookies. Mm-hmm. who you've been paired with. And a lot of people would say, Dave, that, you know, look, Perbix had some decent success, if not all of his success playing with Sergachev. You know, Perbix very complimentary of what, you know, Sergachev can bring as a partner. And then you've got Radish, if that holds true. The coaching staff being able to put Sergey in a position where he's the he's the guy. And I guess it makes sense now. I mean, would you call Sergachev a veteran? Even yes. though he's a young guy. Yes. He's got a lot of games. This is This is part of it. You know, being able to play with some rookies and bring them along. It's just something that sticks out. Probably more of a compliment to Sergachev and his progression as an, uh, you know, one of uh, the top defensemen, not only on this team, but I think Sergachev and a lot of people feel, Dave, uh, uh, an up-and-coming, or if he's not up-and-coming, already there, one of the better defenders in this game. And he could be an X-factor when you talk about guys individually in the playoffs. You know, there's always this factor with Sergachev, Dave, in addition to Victor Hedman, that you have potentially two elite offensive defensemen who not only can do some things offensively, but can defend. But it's nice to always throw out there, Hedman goes out for one shift, and then Sergachev is out the following shift. That was one of the things that was so great about the late in the last three years when you had McDonough in that equation. But if you have two defensemen that have the ability to provide some offense the way the Lightning do, you know, a lot of teams have one of those guys. The Lightning have two. That could be, uh, an, that could be something to keep an eye on as the series progress series progresses. What type of, what type of production are the Lightning going to get from two of their most accomplished defensemen, not only defensively but offensively in this series? Well, I've had enough conversations with Brian Engblom recently certainly i mean i've talked to him a lot since the time he's been on the broadcast team with the lightning but he firmly believes that he's mentioned this about headman but i think he believes this about sergachev as well for the lightning to have success in the playoffs he feels it's very important for those guys to grab the game by the throat and kind of take charge for Victor, that means skating. Skating the way that Kale McCarr, and this is a comparison that that Brian has used, 
I mean, they're different players, but Kale McCarr grabbed the playoffs by the throat last year and was skating all over the ice. Victor can do that. That's what Brian wants to see from Hedman. And he wants to see Sergachev's had a good year. Like Sergachev has some swagger to his game. We mentioned that right. might be lacking a little bit with Nick Paul. Like Sergachev has had a good offensive year. He's had a good overall year. Right. I think he enters the playoffs brimming with confidence. Good. He's a new yeah. dad, which, you know, is another part, the uh, exciting part to his life. I think he is primed to have an impactful playoff year. But I think for the two of them, the Lightning's fortunes may be tied to how impactful they are in this series. I'm going to mention two other guys as well. So, I mean, Cole Chernak are going to be the matchup here, but against Toronto, it's kind of pick your poison. Like, yeah, they may want them out against the Matthews line, but you also have to worry about the Tavares line. Then you got Ryan O'Reilly centering the third line. Yep. So this is a problem for any opponent facing Toronto or a challenge, I should say. Like, how do you match up against all the weapons that they can throw out there? But the two guys I'm going to mention who I think are not well-known around the league, Perbix and Radish. And what I would like to see is Perbix and Radish surprise some people who have not been following the Lightning closely this year. They're tuning in now that the playoffs are beginning and and really watching the Lightning closely. They may not be aware how good Nick Perbix is, how steady he is. They're just saying, well, this guy is a rookie and you know the Lightning – lost all the they lost McDonough they lost Ruda you know they just had to fill the lineup with with these other guys that we never heard of right 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 and I would like at the end of the series people be like boy that Perbix and Radish the Lightning have a couple of really steady defensemen back there Darren Radish is in the top six because of the work that he has done certainly in the minors he earned a call up but the work that he has done since he has come up Otherwise, he would not be in the top six. I think Perbix and Radish have the opportunity to surprise some people with how well they can play. So that goes to the position of defense, but it all gets tied into the thing that we were hitting on at the beginning of the show, which is team defense and and how they are how they are keeping the pressure off Vasilevsky. That's really the best way to put it, because it's not only what you're doing when you don't have the puck, it's also what you're doing when you have the puck. Correct. And, you know, we talk about X-Factors. That is certainly one of them. How do those young defensemen respond, when I say young, in Radish's case, in terms of playoff experience? Yeah. Both of them. Both of them. Yeah. But you want to you wanna see how they do respond. Uh, Nikita... Kucherov, <laughs> he says, we're roughly 30 hours from what is expected to be the most watched sporting event in the history of humanity. My question is, which team makes their mark first? A big Vassy save, Sorelli to Hagel on the shorthanded chance, or will Toronto score early? I mean, you know what? All of those could happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about his factual statement at the beginning of the tweet. <laughs> But if you remember, Greg, game one turned early last year when the Lightning had a five-minute major power play and did very little on it. In yeah. fact, they gave up shorthanded chances, and the Leafs just took off once that kill finished. And they had a lead by the time the first period ended, and they won via a shutout. 
Now, the Lightning came back and won the series, so winning game one does not guarantee success. Very true. In in a series. So, look, I don't know what the first the first big moment is going to be in this series, but whatever that big moment is, there figure to be plenty of other big moments that will occur that will help tell the story of the series and who is going to prevail. Fair. All the way Having around. said that, I think the Lightning would like to be the, the beneficiaries of an early big play rather than the Leafs being the beneficiary you know, of an I early think, big play. I think, Dave, if the Lightning can come out to and I don't want to say control play, but have some moments where they come out of their own end in a nice fashion. They're able to generate some shots, some good puck movement. You maybe you roll roll the lines, everybody comes over the boards in the first five or six minutes, has a mm-hmm. good shift. You know, you're hitting hitting some defenders on the Leafs end, you're banging their bodies around and you're all, you're not allowing Toronto because what we see this so often. The home team comes out and they all in the first five or ten minutes, the ice is tilted. And that may happen in, in favor of Toronto. I think if it does happen in that instance, partner, you want to make sure that they come away from that ten minute push with no goals, you know, kind of withstand that first surge that mm-hmm. maybe you would experience. But I think for the Lightning, yeah, obviously getting a goal early on would be tremendous. And wouldn't that be something if you saw, you know, a Braden point, you know, coming down the the left boards off a pass from Kucherov and be able to bang one home, that kind of gets the team settled and and situated. That would be phenomenal. But I think if you don't see a quick strike like that, you know, to me, it's how are the Lightning handling the puck early on? Are they are they doing things in a methodical way, Dave, to get the puck out cleanly? If a play's not there, dump it in, live to fight another day. You know, it's kind of where is the Lightning's mentality early on in a uh, in a playoff game against a high end opponent? And we don't we don't know, but it, it'll be curious to see the first five, six, seven minutes. How does Tampa Bay deal with? Toronto and that urgency they have early on where they're going to try and get that goal early and are they able to play smart hockey especially if they find themselves hemmed in their own end because Toronto's coming out with some pressure yeah that's all part of it and that's especially important against a team that is as high powered as Toronto is the Leafs were not quite as high powered offensively statistically this year as they were last year but they were so much better defensively and again, it kind of goes to that question that that I posed at the start of the show. You know, how much can we read into regular season numbers and what can they tell us about what's going to happen in a playoff series? So the Leafs scored less but also allowed less this year. But the record was even better than it was last year. Is that going to carry over in the playoffs? And was it a choice? Did they take some of the risk out of their game? They had one really, really impressive of the three games, they had one super impressive performance defensively. That was the game in Toronto in December, and Coop referenced that before game 81 last week. He said we might have had five scoring chances total in that game. The Leafs hope that that's the team that shows up in the playoffs, and for the most part, they, they did that more than in previous years. But, you know, when we had Nick Alberga on, he also said that their best defensive work kind of came in November and December when they had injuries. 
and they weren't able to necessarily keep quite that same level, let's say, down the stretch. And look, they didn't have Matthews, Martin, or Giordano in that game 81, so maybe we can't read anything into it. But if you're just going to ask me to compare the game in Toronto with the game that was played in Tampa, the Leafs were not as tight defensively last week in the game in Tampa as they were in the game in Toronto in December. So we'll see. But if the Leafs have kind of taken their foot off the gas a little bit and and taken some of the risk out of their game and decided that they are not going to sacrifice defense for offense, that happened during the regular season. The Lightning still cannot take any kind of, you know, element for granted that the Leafs are not a super dangerous offensive team with tremendous depth. They have third, fourth line guys that can fill the net regularly. And their top end guys are among, you know, the top offensive players in the NHL. That is all true. Jay says, who are your X factors for this series outside of Vassy? Lightning need to be better five on five because the PK likely won't be as good as it was last year against the Leafs. So let me just say this. I think yeah. we, we just hit on two guys. Well, maybe four. You mentioned Perbix and Radish. I think that's going to be fascinating to watch. I do think let's let's go with who we know, Dave. I think Hedman, Hedman and Sergachev need to be beasts. You can use an adjective. Yeah, we just talked about them. Yeah, we did. I I think those would be two guys for sure. At the forward position, look, you're expecting your best players to be there, Dave. You've heard me often say this about the Lightning. Your stars need to be your stars. Over the last three years, the Lightning players have been that. Where the Lightning have been able to be successful have been the role players over the last three years complementing their stars to give them key production. If you threw Sorelli in that equation, heck yeah. Heck yeah. I, I mean, look, it's the elephant in the room. What type of player are you getting in Nick Paul? It's just that, that that's where we are with him right now because he was phenomenal last year in the playoffs. And stage. the first half of this year. He was. So if he can get back to that, man, does that make the Lightning a better team right off the bat? But and I you have said starting in the playoffs fresh can be a reset for I some do. players. I, well, look, I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping that's the case. I mean, if, if I were struggling and I hadn't scored, Dave, how many games was it? 30 some? Yeah, high 20s without a goal, but it was one in close to 40. So let's say one in 40. I think I have to, as an athlete, look at it and say, I'm starting over in the playoffs. What other other alternative are you going to take that's productive? You can't sulk. Nick Paul knows he can perform in the playoffs, Dave. He did it last year against this team. Mm -hmm. Sorelli and Paul, for me are two guys that I know have had success in past years who I think have the ability to do something offensively that I also think there's another level for them to get to in these playoffs. Well, look, if Nick Paul cannot break out of this slump in terms of scoring, and he's not even really being as impactful with the puck. We've talked about this. He looks like a player that's not as confident right now, and that can be tough. If the playoffs are a reset, but it doesn't happen for him, like he's the puck's just not going in, he can still contribute. Like he can still win his faceoffs. He can still defend like heck, right? He can still be part of the penalty kill that's going to be very important in the series. 
And we kind of saw that from the sorelli Kalorn hegel line last year. They didn't contribute a lot offensively, but their impact cannot be minimized, right, in how they matched up. So it was something I remember Yanni Gord was talking about when he was in that very, very long gold drought in the 2019-2020 regular season. And what got him out of the slump ultimately was he stopped worrying about not scoring. And he's just like, I'm just going to focus on other parts of my game. And he ended up scoring, as you remember, Greg, in overtime in Pittsburgh in February to break the drought. And it was about, what, three weeks later we paused the season. But when we came back for the playoffs in the bubble, you know, he did have a fresh start. I'm glad he didn't go into the the four-month layoff on whatever it would have been, like a 56-game goal drought. So at least he snapped it. But for Yanni, it was about doing other parts of his game well and not worrying so much about scoring, and maybe that'll be true for Paul also. We do have lines to report from practice. So the one change, Hagel and Colton swapped. So again, you have Stamkos, Point, Kucherov, Hagel, Sorelli, Kalorn. So that is the matchup line we saw in the playoffs last year. They're yeah. skating together in practice. And then Colton goes with Paul and AC Mod. And then you do have the school bus line, Maroon, Belmar, and Perry. The D pairs are, as we had explained them earlier and recounted them earlier, Hedman Perbic, Sergeyev Radish, Cole Chernak, Flurry Bogosian. Tanner Janot is, is kind of repping for, for different guys as they run lines. So does that give us a little bit of a, an inkling on well, you know, look, where there's John another, is? Yeah, this may be the last full practice before game one. Tomorrow they may just run an optional. It's possible. They may run a full tomorrow. So unknown at this point. I don't know. Like I had said on the show last week, that the Lightning were going to kind of run the lines in advance of game one the way we probably will see them in game one. I don't know, though. Maybe Coop has, you know, a few tricks up his sleeve in terms of withholding exactly how the Lightning are going to stack the lines. But we've seen these combinations this year. And last year, I mean, Maroon, Belmar, and Perry were a very consistent line for the Lightning last year. Certainly, Hagel, Sorelli, and Kalorn have a lot of familiar uh, fam- familiarity playing with one another. And while he hasn't been with Point and Kucherov in the playoffs so much, Stamkos has played with those guys, certainly. So maybe that will be what we see in Game 1. As John Cooper probably is going to tell everyone, you're going to have to show up at 7.30 on Tuesday, right? Yeah. <laughs> to find out. By the way, this is 7.30 start for game one, which means what, like 7.40 or so? Eight. You mean eight, it's going to be 8 o'clock <laughs> <Yeah>. then? <laughs> and we got both anthems, right? Both anthems. Which, yeah. And you're going to have Phil with you, right? Phil's That's making the be, trip. That's going to yep. be exciting. Now, That's our first you, time in Toronto, because we didn't go to Toronto last year in the first round. Phil, I think, has been in Toronto with me maybe once or twice over the years, always in the regular season. He doesn't like Toronto, does he? Does he like Toronto? Well, I don't think... I mean, I always talk to him, and he's like, you know... Yeah, you mean "Eh." the city or the team? Uh, Or the market? (laughs) I think it's the market. I'm in all three. He's he's annoyed by the market. (laughs) I don't know that he has anything specifically against the city itself. Yeah. I know he's gone up there for a lot of autograph signings over the years, so he, he likes that part of it. He does. He does. There's no doubt about that. But um, 
it'll be good. It'll be good to have him there with you yeah. because I think it it brings, you know, the the intensity, the stakes are higher. And I think anytime both of you are there, especially for those away playoff games, it's always a lot of fun. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I think we always felt, maybe we didn't, that the shutdown line to some extent, Dave, was going to be Sorelli in that capacity, uh, regardless of who his line mates were going to be. But I do think it makes some sense to have Kalorn with Sorelli. And then if you're having Hagel in that situation, uh, that really is a line, I think, that can not only do some things defensively and really just pester you and be hard to play against, but there is enough speed and enough skill now on that line. They should be able to, at times, counterpunch if that's, if that's how you would look at it. Or... You have Hagel and Sorelli who can just dig for pucks and really grind away. Klorn's shown the ability the last few years here to finish consistently. That has the makings of not only being a really good shutdown line, but they can go the other way. And that's the one thing when you talk about the other team's top lines, sometimes they don't like playing defense or having to defend. And wouldn't that be something if that Sorelli line, who we just got done talking about, is a guy maybe to keep an eye on this series? really has an opportunity there to do some damage offensively because of how that line is made up with different skill sets. Well, look, the Lightning may start the series this way because we talked about what are we going to see for game one, and we don't know. But we know this about John Cooper. If things are not going the way he wants, he will switch them up. So that may be less about Hagel, Sorelli, Kalorn and the three have proven themselves to be a very effective shutdown line, it may be more about what's happening on the other lines. And maybe they need to to mix things up. But yeah, you're right. The The Leafs are going to have home ice in games one and two, of course, meaning they have last change. So Sheldon Keefe may, may not care, but maybe he's going to look to get his Matthews line. I'll call the Matthews line the top line for Toronto, which I'm assuming is going to be Matthews, Marner, and Bunting. If that is their top line, maybe he doesn't care. He just puts them out there when it's time to put them out there. Or maybe he is going to look to get them away from the Sorelli line and have them play against a different line. But if John Cooper can get that matchup, if that's the matchup he wants, then yes, you're right. What Sorelli's line wants to accomplish against the Matthews line is be annoying. Like Matthews, Marner, and Bunting are not going to want to have to play a shift in the defensive zone without the puck. That's the goal of the Sorelli line. Frustrate the other team's top unit. You're taking away their time and space. You're not letting them make plays. You're forcing them to play defense. And if you score, great. It didn't happen a lot last year in the playoffs that they scored. But they did a phenomenal job keeping the other team's top line off the board. It was never more apparent than in that Ranger series with the Zibanejad line. That line was completely flummoxed five on five from games three through six. So if the Lightning can yeah. replicate that in this series, that could be a big key. I think the, the fan wrote about five on five play. I mean, that's a big part of it. But... This is the challenge with Toronto. 
let's say you do an effective job against the Matthews line. Well, then you got Tavares coming over the boards, right? And then you got a third line, presumably, with Ryan O'Reilly. I know Phil is, is concerned. I'll use that word. I think he would be okay with me using the word concerned. He's concerned about face-offs. Toronto is a very good face-off team. And the guys they have down the middle that I just mentioned, Matthews, Tavares, who's one of the best in the league percentage-wise, O'Reilly, who has been one of the best in the league percentage-wise and is up there again this year. And then if it's going to be Camp, who's been kind of a pest in his own right (laughs) against the other team, like he's a penalty killer, he can play in the offensive zone against the other teams, not the top line, one of the top lines. He's not shabby either in the circle. Yeah. So the Lightning are going to have to find a way to level that. Now, I did mention this, or I didn't mention this. I'm going to mention this right now. The four guys I just mentioned are all lefties. Nolachari can take faceoffs. He's a righty. But I wonder if you know, like they force those guys to take them on their weak side through the series, will that help? I mean, guys like Tavares and O'Reilly can win them on their strong side or their weak side. You don't get to the high 50% mark without being able to do that. But it is interesting that they have four lefty centermen down the middle. Talking about Toronto. Sure. I think that was the case last year, though, in the playoffs, too, if I'm remembering right. So... Yeah, you're, anyway. Well, you're right about that. I mean, they have some guys who can who can change the complexion of a shift just by winning faceoffs and yeah. dealing with that. No doubt about it. And I think they the get to start with the puck a lot because their center they do. are so good on faceoffs. It's a great it's a great point, and I think it's fair. And I guess do we want to address this before we we sign off? Just quickly. I mean, we we discussed it. I think throughout the year in general, we touched on Vasi at the beginning, but I, I do think it's fair to say, I think. I think it's fair to point out that the goaltending will be will be something that I think when you look at the series, even with the year Vassy had, it was good, maybe not elite by his standards, that this is still heavily favored if the Lightning can defend the way we think they can. And maybe that's the, the caveat to all of this, Dave, is that the Lightning have to do their part to help him out. That that is still something the Lightning have a, a nice advantage in nets and a guy that's been there, done that. That's going to be their best path to victory, Greg. I mean, look, when they have defended well, well, they've won this year. I mean, it's not a complicated formula. It's not complicated, but it it doesn't always happen for every team. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's not easily done. It's not easily done. But if you can do it, yeah. Like, if they limit scoring chances against... They're helping out Vasilevsky. They're going to say to Vasi, you know what? Stop all the rest or as many of the, the the rest that you can. There may be a scoring chance here and there that gets past him. And, of course, on Vasi is to make sure that no pucks get past him that aren't scoring chances. That's what yeah, the Leafs have been trying to do this year. I mean, that's why we're sure. talking about they have they have reduced some of their offensive production in order to help their defensive numbers. I know that's broad stroking it, but I think that that's what we've seen this year from them. Austin Matthews went from 60 goals to 40. Yeah. But their goaltending numbers, particularly Samsonov, a huge improvement 
over what they were getting last year. They're a top 10 defensive team this year. They were in the bottom half last year in the regular season. So that's what the Leafs are going to say. We need to limit chances. We'll score enough. We have enough talent. We're going to score. Limit chances. We got to worry about Braden Point and Kucherov. I saw an article. The Leafs are very dialed in on, on having to contend with Point. He's almost the focal point, no pun intended, of of what the Leafs are are focusing on as it relates to the Lightning's attack. With good reason. I mean, yeah. the guy had 51 goals this year, right? right? 20 on the power play. But that's on the Toronto side. For the Lightning, if you can D up like they did in their last four wins, they went four and four in their last eight. Four losses, 23 goals allowed. Four wins, one goal allowed. If you are going to defend and defend well, you give yourself an excellent chance to win. Got to defend, baby. Got to defend. defend. Yeah. By the way, congratulations yeah, to Syracuse. Just putting a bow on that. The nice. Crunch did end up finishing in second. So they are going to play Rochester in a best of five. And I don't think that series starts. So the two out of threes are going to be going on. But if a best of five is set, they may start that series, depending on the series before some of the two out of threes are done. But I don't think they start until next Friday in Syracuse. And the series itself is going to span like a couple of weeks. It's basically a weekend-only series. So it's going to take a while if it goes the full five. So as far as the Black Aces are concerned, I wouldn't hold your breath, but that's okay. (laughs) The Lightning wants Syracuse to do well, as we talked about, and they're facing one of their, their longtime rivals in the first round. Syracuse starts on Friday night. Okay, that's what I thought I saw. Yep, 21st and 22nd, and then there'll be games three. It'll be the 28th, the 30th, and then May 6th if it goes to game five. That's what I'm saying. So I think all the games are on the weekend, so it's spanning basically like a two-week period, Mm -hmm. essentially, if it goes five. If it goes five. Yeah. Tanner Janot skating, though, today. That's positive. It's good news. And, you know, we'll – the fact that he's skating today – is a very good indication without hearing from the coaches yet. A good indication that he's a lot sooner to returning than we thought. May not be for game one, but the fact that he's out there in a regular jersey is a very good sign for the Lightning. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Partner, safe travels, and yeah. we'll be at it again tomorrow. Breaking it down, really getting ready for game one. Maybe we'll try and sneak in a guest if we can get one. And yep. we'll uh, we'll break it all down with you. Safe travels again. Thanks to you, Steve Versnick. Thanks to you for listening. We always appreciate it. I am Greg Lanelli. You've been listening to Power Lunch Playoff Edition on Lightning Radio.